I was a very scared, timid little girl who then decided I wanted to sail around the world. I did that in that order. I didn't find my courage on the water and then decide to sail around the world. I decided that I was going to have to overcome my fear and to decide not to be that person because I wanted to sail around the world. Hi, it's Holly Ransom here. Welcome one and all to Coffee Pods, Fuel Your Difference, a podcast for the change makers and the game changers. This podcast is built around a simple hypothesis. How long does it take to learn from someone's lifetime of experience? Coffee. So in the time it takes us to share a cup of coffee with our guests or for you to enjoy one as you listen along, we're going to tap into the lifetime of experience of some truly remarkable people who've driven significant change. I'm a big believer that success leaves clues. And be it putting an audacious idea into action, shifting a team culture, or even a country's for that matter, or using their influence to drive progress, all our guests have powerful insights, pragmatic tips, and passionate calls to action that can help each of us to fuel the positive difference we're all working to create in our lives, organisations, and communities. Get excited, coffee potters. It's not every day that we welcome an adventurer onto the podcast, but that is well and truly the way that we can describe today's guest. Jess Watson navigated some of the world's most remote oceans and survived seven knockdowns and 210 days alone at sea to become the youngest person to sail solo nonstop around the world at the age of only 16. On completion of the voyage, Jessica was met by the then Prime Minister, who declared her an Australian hero. She was also made a recipient of an Order of Australia. Now, Jess wasn't content to rest there. Despite her early struggles with dyslexia, she's gone on to become a two-time best-selling author with her internationally published book, True Spirit, and her recently launched children's book. She's also completed two university degrees, including recently finishing her MBA. Jess is ever moving forward, always with her sights set on the next goal. And this conversation is rich with advice and insights that Jess garnered over the course of her adventure and certainly has built on since. How to manage a crisis and deal with risk, how it is that you can build your own courage and conquer fear, how you can remain positive in the face of adversity and the role of teamwork in conquering big goals. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And without further ado, here's Jess. Jess Watson, thank you so much for joining us on Coffee Pods. I so appreciate it. No, no problem. Thanks for having me. I'm really, there's so much of your story I'm excited to delve into. Um, but I guess it, when people hear your name, they, they automatically firstly associate you with the extraordinary achievement of being, <laughs> you know, the youngest person to, to sail around the world. Um, and I guess I wanted to start there and pick up how on earth someone decides at 16 to go on an adventure of that sort of nature. I want to get a bit of a sense of, uh, of growing up for you, where did where did the seed get planted to go on and venture like that? Yeah, there's a, a lot of things um, and it is easy to see them in hindsight. And of course, I've been, you know, draw, um, called on to sort of go over that and, and yeah. think about it many times. But I suppose a couple of the key things were the fact that I am quite dyslexic. So, you know, those first few years of school were a big struggle for me and that meant a few things that I had to learn to work a lot harder than everyone else mm. to keep up. But it also meant that I was read a lot of stories. Mum was huge. And, and she probably, which was obviously big for my siblings as well, but for me particularly it was we need to help her fall in love with stories so she sort of has this motivation to get through this challenge. That's beautiful. Uh, yeah. So books were a huge part of my childhood. I was into fairy stories, but <laughs> mum was reading a lot of adventure stories, you know, Sir Edmund Hillary, you know, um, people, early explorers. Um, was mum an adventurer? No. Not really. Or she, look, she is actually, but not 
Um, she has a, you know, ideas about her warm, dry bed uh, at <laughs> night too. But but she clearly has that adventurous spirit that is just, um, yeah, was a big part of all those stories and what we did as a family because we did end up living on a boat for a few years together as well. So I was surrounded by that but didn't think I would sort of be that or I was that until Jesse Martin's book. So he was the Victorian, sailed around the world, aged 18, and his story gave me that connection between the people I was hearing about in these books mm. and the fact that, hey, they're human as well. Yeah. Uh, and for me that went, oh, wow, that was that moment that he's done this, he's an ordinary guy. You know, he's, of course he's awesome too, but um, he's also ordinary. And then to be able to look at all these other people and go, maybe they're normal as well. And if they're normal, what can I do? Um, and, and wanting to do something. So then came the desire to to want to really challenge myself and the curiosity about could I do that you know what is it going to be like after 210 days alone um that absolutely fascinated me and I I really wanted to find out was there a a moment where you remember setting that massive goal or did it just kind of evolve out of that line of thinking and obviously starting to get more and more familiar with sailing and setting yourself mini challenges How, how did that come about it came about, I suppose, quite naturally. I mean, this was all when I was pretty young, you know, 11, 12, 13, I might have been when I told my sister first what I wanted to do. <laughs> and, you know, gosh, getting those words out, it's tough, um, you know, because it, it was serious. You know, this wasn't just something. And when I actually told my parents, my family, I was in tears. Wow. You know, it was serious and I was so embarrassed and but also so, but it meant so much to me, you know, that I was in tears because this is real. And and mum sort of understood that straight away, but poor dad didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think he wanted to believe that. I mean, would you? And and because, you know, a bit of parenting advice, totally unqualified and unsolicited, <laughs> whatever you do, your kids come to you with these ideas, crush it out of them straight away. Because if you don't, you know, they'll actually get very attached to it. Of course, I'm not actually saying you <laughs> should do that, but he was left in a position where I it was everything to me. Um, and he couldn't bear to to stop that at that yeah. point a few years later. He couldn't He couldn't do it, even though it was incredibly hard for him to have to go through with it all. Imagine terrifying as a parent to think about you know, letting your daughter head off uh, on this extraordinary adventure where you, you can't ensure that you're tucking her in safe every night. Yeah, um, I you know have absolutely no idea uh, what that is like. I have a huge amount of respect for it and yeah. think it's a lot harder than what I did. But I think, you know, there were years of preparation and a lot of things people have to understand to understand how mum and dad let me go. You know, they're pretty sane people. But really, when it comes down to it, and this is normally something I say after people have sort of, um, you know, asked me and just can't believe it, and I kind of get to this point of slight frustration where I just say, look, when it comes down to it, it's very simple. This sort of parents would never have a kid that would want to do something like this if they weren't going to let them mm. go. So it's, it's a chicken and the egg sort of scenario that I'm not sure would really... And I like that you mentioned that point around preparation and, and that people need to appreciate the backstory to the story because I think so often um, we we glorify the story and we should because mm. the story is incredible. Um, but what people miss is the blood, sweat, tears, hours, years that went into actually allowing that moment to take place. So you set a, a massive goal. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna sail around the world. How did you go about breaking that down and and starting? Because I think so many people the terror you talked yeah. about of setting the really big goal. Then there's the paralysis that follows of going, yeah, but how do I do anything about that? Yeah, 
Uh, and look, I mean, I say it quite often and in a way it, it is overly simplistic, but it's true. Break it down into the small steps along the way. What do I actually need to do? When you're even just writing a to-do list, you know, mm. write it down to the smaller steps, break it down because you need to have those um, goals you can tick off and, and to keep you motivated and even just to understand well, how, you know, to, to work backwards and go, how do you achieve something like this? What experience, what people, what tools? Um, yeah, and then it was, of course, many years of going through that process and, and even one of those things that had to be uh, taken on and, and sort of not defeated but um, learnt was even just managing fear because mm. I was a very scared, timid little girl who then decided I wanted to sail around the world. I did that in that order. I didn't kind of find my courage on the water and then decide to sail around the world. I decided that I was going to have to overcome my fear and stop being this rather pathetic nervous wreck who once hid under the table of my family's boat in a storm Wow! <laughs> as a, you know, like as an 11, 12 year old, not that young to decide not to be that person because I wanted to sail around the world. That fascinates me. And I imagine it would fascinate most people because I think people assume people like you who do something uh, that courageous have courage in spades from the get go. So talk to us about <laughs> about being prepared to set yourself a goal that utterly terrifies you, but this idea of how you build courage. Yeah, um, lots of different things that I learned. And it was not a simple process. It was sure. a learning how to do that for myself. But, yeah, even to this day I'm a very careful, cautious person, last person to jump off a end of a jetty or anything like that. Um, so it was actually really, really looking at this voyage and the details involved and understanding, is it actually as dangerous? It sounds amazingly daunting, being completely in the middle of an ocean, facing huge waves, but actually when you look at it and go, I could have a boat that is entirely going to look after me in that situation. If we do all of these things, I'm actually not in such a dangerous position. Understanding those things, that was how I coped, you know, actually I'm not maybe in as much so danger. managing risk. Yep, absolutely. Managing risk is something I'm fascinated with. You know, I think it was an uncle who first introduced me to the idea of, of risk management and we put together this big document and talked to lots of people about it and what's the pack up if this happens. Yeah. Um, a lot of great sailors I know, they do spend a lot of time very carefully thinking through worst case scenarios. So you step on a boat and you're thinking, what is the worst thing that could happen right now? What happens yeah. if the mast does fall down? So you've already got that in the back of your head and then you can kind of just get on with it and actually enjoy it yeah. because you've already thought through worst case scenario. And I feel like it's a really powerful kind of tension you're talking about between you've committed yourself to the action, which is important. We were talking earlier mm. about how important, how how much as human beings we want to be consistent with what we've said we're going to do. Mm. So sometimes the risk, if we focus too much on that, we actually don't get out of the starting blocks. But sort of announcing the goal and then going, okay, how do I do this in a way that I've got all the aspects of this covered off? Like I'm prepared for almost every permutation yes. that can happen out there. Yeah, I mean, I think for me it actually comes down to what the idea of an adventure is. Yeah. Uh, you know, an adventure is there you do everything you can. You know, I have mentors, I had wonderful mentors who talk about the idea of responsible risk-taking, which sounds a little odd, but it's a, you know, it's a real thing. You do everything you can, but then the idea is you don't set off on these voyages because you know exactly what's going to happen, and that's, that's also the reality. There is that small element of the unknown, but make it as small as possible. Mm, I remember it's a really similar concept the Chief of the Army used to talk to me about once where he'd say, you know, we prepare and prepare and prepare 
so that the moment the unknown happens, we know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of, yeah. It seems so counterintuitive when I, when I first heard about that. You know, you're in a dynamic situation that you can't control, but that's exactly why you need to take control of everything you can control. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the things we actually did, and, you know, there were years and years of preparation, some really wonderful people involved, but the boat was so conservative, the choice. That boat entirely looked after me. There was, I once got, you know, someone saying, oh, it was only the boat that got her there. I think it was meant as criticism, but I went, yes, that's exactly the point. Yeah, my decision making <laughs> chose, is validated. I chose the right boat, this really conservative, boring boat that got me there so slowly, but I'm, yeah, did it. that's the point. Yeah. And so talk to us, you mentioned before, there were so many things that you needed to consider. How did you go about um, learning or knowing what you didn't know at the start? It's conversations with people, um, reading, you know, there's a lot of great books out there where people have done similar things, but then just being blown away again and again at how many people who I would reach out to, you know, oh gosh, some of those emails I was sending in the early days, I am amazed that people and, you know, those phone calls that they did respond, but they just led to the most extraordinary things, learning about things I didn't know, you know, going and spending time with everyone from like a team who were maintaining the New Zealand med equipment on the Subantarctic Isles. Wow. Um, you know, just some really unique situations like that where you're just learning about what's the weather like down there or, you know, a doctor who's done some amazing offshore sailing, learning about those elements um, and just the places those conversations led. I mean, the really brilliant example is a guy I reached out to advice for, for advice, you know, an explorer himself. He ended up buying me the boat that I needed wow. for this voyage. So, you know, it, it takes courage to, it is actually even today, it's a nerve wracking thing to ask someone for advice, you know, why should they, why would they want to help? But it is just extraordinary where those conversations lead. Yeah, and I would say that about you, you've got such an innate curiosity. And I was wondering if, if that was something you were born with, almost got encouraged through that process of having to prepare because you've got such an openness to seeking advice and input from uh, all sorts. And I think it's a really admirable mm. trait that I don't think probably enough of us cultivate and, and utilise. Oh, look, I think you've got <laughs> plenty of that. And there are a lot of people out there who absolutely do. Um, and this is something we touched on earlier, but I mean, the idea of actually choosing the people that you respect to get advice from, that was something that I was always conscious of. Um, you know, everyone's got ideas and advice, but actually do, do you really believe in their values and what they're doing? Um, and and the, even the way you are delivering advice or take receiving it, you can it's important to, that those things work for you as well. Mm. And that's a really hard thing to become aware of, isn't it? Like it's sort of um, getting a sense of who you are, what questions you need to ask, and then knowing how to separate that person's advice that worked from them for the advice that you need for where you're going to go. That, that's a tricky process. Yeah. Yeah, well, actually, that was a big part of even just the um, the learning and the managing risks. You, when you start talking to people and realise that, you know, I suppose just a simple example is that my dad was terrified of the idea of, of being alone and how on earth I would manage that. And you had to realise that when you're talking to him, um, he's actually coming from a very personal place with that, and that's his concern. So everyone else you talk to, you know, they might have some other thing you know, that's actually influencing why they're giving that piece of advice. Mm. And if you can understand that, then you can listen to their advice and, you know, it can be useful. But to understand this, not, it's not an agenda, but it's a... Um, oh, something that might be framing their advice. So emotionally through this process, how how easy or hard was it to ride the waves of sort of the exhilaration of of leading up to departure, the, the frustration and uh, disappointment and uh, probably, you know, sometimes the, the fear, as you talked yeah. about, 
of setbacks or difficult conditions. How did you manage the highs and the lows emotionally? <laughs> well, there was that ship before I sailed around the world. People remember that I went and collided with a ship before yeah. I set off. So a bit of a media uh, storm after that. Yes. Uh, so that was a huge kind of roller coaster. And quite honestly, I mean, that was obviously the best thing that ever happened. And you hear people saying things like that. But gosh, it really was. And I realized that more and more. What, initiation um, by fire, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah learned from it. Um, it. But the big thing is it gave me confidence because I put myself in the worst possible situation I proved to myself that I wasn't going to go hide under the table like I used to a few years before, that I could do it. All my training kind of kicked in. So that for me was the ultimate last piece of confidence I needed. Um, and that gave me the courage and the, the strength and just the knowledge that when a bad storm did come along, I would be able to deal with it one way or another. Yeah. Um, and I was sort of wondering about two aspects of this. One is sort of um, the media you talked mm. about. Uh, your trip did not come without media attention and a lot of people had opinions yes. and there was a lot of criticism. There was a lot of criticism of the idea that anyone should let a 16-year-old mm. head out on an adventure like this. How did you deal with the criticism? Did, did you read it? Did you try and ignore it? What were your strategies for actually handling that? Oh, I wish I could say that there were strategies. <laughs> because, you know, so busy at the time and so much going on. And, and I think that's probably the actual best strategy yeah. is because you're just so focused and there's so much to do. Uh, but the other thing was, you know, I have that close team around me and it's amazing to see how, how close that team becomes in the face of that. Um, it also fueled, I suppose, me and gave me that added passion but it's also easy to dismiss so much of that criticism when so much of it's uninformed mm. um, and irrelevant. So, yes, we wanted to hear people's great advice about how we could make this safer. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was disappointing, I suppose, when it was done in a way that didn't seem very helpful. That was the only part that really got frustrating. The rest of it, I was actually amazed at how little it, it got to me because... It was so often irrelevant. <laughs> and I think that goes to your point around, you know, who do you give permission to to speak in and yes. who do you listen to? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the really great, really simple example was the so-called yachting expert in the media at one point saying that I wouldn't make it because I wouldn't fit the food on board the boat and therefore, you know, I was going to starve, I suppose, when the previous guy had done the same sort of voyage, taken the same boat, probably ate a bit more than me. <laughs> Don't waste my time on that sort of comments or criticism or advice whatever you want to call it yeah and, yeah. and the other bit i wanted wondered about is sort of the sheer isolation like 210 mm. days like largely left to your own devices like a little bit of communication and stuff yep. and you're blogging but that emotionally must be a whole like, i don't know people that can't sit alone for two minutes with themselves you're doing 210 days sort of uh, there with your thoughts a lot of capability to focus too much on the overwhelming nature of the challenge or the, the struggle or obstacles you mm. might be facing how did you mentally stay focused and stay optimistic during difficult times just by virtue of the isolation? Yeah, it's a really unique position to find yourself in. Um, I think the first thing is, you know, don't overthink it. Um, <laughs> yes, you're out there by yourself for so long, but um, you just deal with it. Take it a day at a time. Mm. Uh, it is what it is. Don't, yeah, don't make it into so much of a bigger, more dramatic thing that it needed to be. Then, of course, there were a lot of days that weren't easy and it's easy to downplay them now. Um, but it was, again, having talked to a lot of people who had done similar things. For me, knowing when was likely to be hard helped. You know, everyone talks about the first sort of few weeks being really tough. So I knew that I was prepared to have a really terrible few weeks. Turns out I actually had a lot more fun those first few weeks than I thought. 
And then I did spend time with a sports psychologist who was wonderful. And really all she taught me was some positive thinking strategies. And it becomes a sort of discipline that mm. you can't let yourself just start thinking all those terrible, you know, snowballing, miserable things when you're having a bad day because there's nobody else out there to pull you out of that. It's up to you. Of course, sometimes you're better off to let all the emotion out and have a good whinge and cry to the camera, but uh, you probably shouldn't have. <laughs> but you just, you develop that discipline that, no, I cannot sit here and be miserable. I have to get up and put some cheerful music on and do some of those things that yep. make me happier. Yeah, so that discipline piece around almost taking control of what you can control because, you yep. know, obviously so much of the conditions that are around you are out of your control, uh, but that importance of grabbing whatever you can with both hands. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, how frustrating it is when there's no wind. You can't do anything about that. Mm. Um, but then also just the reminder that, hey, I'm out here doing something that I have dreamt of for so long and worked yeah. so hard for. Enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> that was one piece of advice people said a lot before I left, and it actually did really stick, and it really resonated at a lot of times. Wait a second. I'm out here. I've worked so hard for this. I'm here doing this. Like, wow. You know, do we stop and, yeah, let ourselves live it? Um, so... I, I did. I, I took that advice and I actually did that. And there were a lot of cases where it did really hit me and it was, it was awesome. <laughs> you mentioned on, on the way in where we were talking uh, to recall this, that you sort of, um, you know, crisis management 101 on <laughs> like the back of your hand. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd love to know what you learned about dealing with, uh, with situations of crisis. Yeah, well, uh, that, I suppose my lessons in that all came from like, those early childhood, not early childhood, childhood adventures and teenage adventures where, you know, we'd, we'd sort of convince parents um, to let us head off for a day or a little bit longer with friends. And my role was always a negotiator with the parents to try and keep them calm. Um, <laughs> and, and I suppose, yeah, lots of things we learned. We, of course, worked with the Australian Maritime Rescue Authority and people like that and some of the global authorities too to talk about, you know, what information is needed and, of course, just straight out what safety gears needed um, but we we learned things and we had quite an extensive plan in place around you know the way that family and um, broader team would be kept in yeah in, informed of, of a bad situation and I suppose the one really key very simple lesson was keep them informed even mm. if there's no new information just even repeating um, no news is good news yeah, yeah. It just but repeating that yeah. um, how important how powerful that is in a in a really horrible tough situation and what did you find to be the most challenging part of the whole experience? There's no doubt that the preparation and the many years of making it all happen, I, I did sort of, to some extent, feel like I set off and was just doing what I planned for <laughs> and had more fun with it than I'd thought. Um, so there's definitely, yeah, making it possible, making it happen, pulling together the support and continuing on, that, that was the tough part, yeah. And was it difficult keeping momentum behind the idea for that length of time or did you find, like, the goal was just so motivating for you that that wasn't an issue? It became like that. The, the deeper I got into it, you know, people asked, did you ever sort of stop at any point and go, no, you know, I don't want to do this or, you know, how am I going to do this or, yeah. It didn't because it just it snowballed into something that was all-consuming. So it was probably in the early days, I suppose, just to create the momentum that was the, the real challenge. And you come back now, you're working in business, you've done your MBA. Do you look back at that experience and go, geez, there's, there's things that I learned that have such a broader application than I ever realised at the time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and, and other sailing projects like a Youth Sydney Hobart we did and there's so many experiences. I, I just love that, being able to 
draw parallels from from different experiences and, and work out where they work for me and what they can teach me and, and new ones today. And what do you think are some of those the, the biggest takeaways? You look back now and you go, wow, I didn't know that I was getting lessons in in business or how to <laughs> how to manage uh, people or how to how to you know um, achieve peak performance. But I look mm. back now and I go, wow, you know what a what a grounding I had for the life that I was going to lead after that. Yeah, well, I mean, one of them that really surprises me that I think it has taught me a lot is leading a huge team of people because this solo voyage around the world didn't happen um, by myself. There was a huge team of people, really different people involved, you know, professionals of different levels, but also a lot of volunteers um, who just came. You know, some of them responded to an ad we put in a boating magazine asking for help, and that was such a mix of people who responded, you know, trades and really experienced people, and then, you know, the poor young guy who got sent by his father to get him out of the house and he had to come and sand his boat for weeks. So that taught me a huge amount and really taught me a lot about why people want to get involved. And I was no sort of leader. I had no idea what I was doing. I was pretty pushy and irritating, I'm sure. But they were there because they believed in this as well and and I was willing to share it with them. Um, You know, that power of saying we. It's something I've always talked about this voyage, the solo voyage around the world, saying we. Um, And I'm referring to myself in the boat when I say that because we were good mates. But I'm also referring to these people. It's just the way it was and felt. And um, I suppose they had a, a level of ownership over it, but also that I was always asking for their input. Not, not necessarily taking every single piece of advice, but they felt involved. And, and I suppose that's probably why they hung around for weeks and months of hard work in a dusty, miserable shed. <laughs> and I love that. You know, we think solo voyage, and we do. We, we go one person in our head and... and that power of using the word we and giving the, the team that, um, you know, will mobilise behind you, that collective ownership is so powerful. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was their dream, their vision as well, um, as much as it was mine. And, of course, all the more wonderful because you get to share it. And one of the things I've, I've wondered about for a long time, and I don't think I've ever asked you this directly about it, but, um, you know, you arrive back home achieving this extraordinary goal that had consumed mm-hmm. you for years. You've got... 75,000, 100,000 people, you know, lining the <laughs> harbour to greet you. Uh, you've got the Prime Minister declaring you a hero. I, and I'm not, I think that's wonderful. You know, all that celebration is so deserving when I look at the extraordinary achievement that you had accomplished. But then I go, how the hell do you follow that? Like, what, what, is, what is, you know, maybe not a day after because the adrenaline's probably running, but the moment the adrenaline comes down, mm. how, was that hard? Thankfully, it never has. Um, I love that. Okay. But, that's been quite deliberate, I suppose, in creating that. Uh, a lot of people did sort of warn me about that, it, okay. you know, that moment when you come back down to earth, and partly because there were a couple of years of just absolute madness of book tours around the world sure. and this Young Australian of the Year and all of these just, you know, amazing experiences. But very quickly after that and after the sort of Youth Sydney Hobart project, which was pretty all-consuming for a while there too, I was very conscious that I need to keep myself challenged. What's next? How am I going to keep pushing myself and I very quickly also realised that it was going to have to be in new ways. So sailing around the world again and somehow, you know, bettering that adventure would have almost been the easy thing to do. I needed to put myself out of my comfort zone in new ways. And even going back and studying was kind of that for me because, hey, I was this girl who ran away from school and <laughs> here, I was, done your MBA. Yeah, here I was wanting to go to uni. So, I, I, yeah, I was very conscious that new challenges, you know, I needed to find things. And how did you work out the direction for those? You know, you come back and... It's really interesting that you were sort of an almost pre-prepared mentally for that situation. You'd gotten advice, not just for the journey, but for the aftermath. Uh, uh, 
Yeah, I start, I started talking to people about that afterwards, I suppose. Yeah, but yeah, when it became, a, I guess, a bit more of your immediate concern. Yes. Uh, but how did how did you identify what ways you wanted to challenge yourself next? How did you how did you pick um, what you were going to throw your effort into? Yeah, it's an interesting question because there were a lot of opportunities being sort of handed to me as well, which is such an amazing position to be in, and I'm so grateful for that. And it probably won't ever be like that quite again. But, yeah, very interesting to navigate what people think you should do and what they think would be fun for you to, to really turn around and go, you know, even a lot of people are kind of baffled by the fact that I really want a career where I'm going to be working really long hours and really hard. You know, why do you want to do that? You know, you, you're in a position where you maybe don't have to do that yeah. right now. Um, but just knowing that I need to keep myself challenged. And, and, look, it has been a bit of a process of learning and you know, I'm really grateful that my study has been quite broad, so it's let me explore a lot of different areas. And I have been through a few different ideas in the last few years, but you do just find those projects that resonate with you and, and you know, really your values and even just thinking about what them they are is important. You know, when you talk about transitions, you go, who am I, what really matters and what fits into that uh, and then discovering what these challenges, these next challenges might be. And I know you were mentioning when we were chatting earlier that you've got a process of that. You sit down at the start of every year, you, you ask yourself those questions quite intentionally in order to frame up what what that year might bring, what you're going to choose to actively pursue. Mm. There's, there's a, a method to that. Yes, yeah, there's, there's quite a little method that I've developed over a few years and, you know, learned from a lot of other people who have had that works. But it is just about going, yeah, what is what is my intention for the year? What are the key things I'm going to focus on? And then you're able, you've got a bit of a criteria to filter these opportunities through or push in, in those directions. Um, you know, my important but not urgent time, my activities, that what am I focusing on this week? Where are those things leading? You know, and having faith in them that they are leading in the direction that I want as well. And I imagine, too, the period that you would have had leading up to sailing around the world would have been very disciplined, very focused. Like, there would have been a lot of habits that had sort of been the almost the, the bedrock of the routine and would have given you a lot of structure. Did you find you had to sort of reposition some of those or, or develop structure in a different way for yourself once that particular challenge had ended? Yeah, I'm not sure if it was much structure as just sheer, this is total focus. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I suppose it's again creating those, you know, false deadlines for myself and, and those projects and situations and how it works for me these days. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure that there's anything particularly unique in, in the, what I do to create those. But yeah, I'm conscious that I need, need those things. Obviously, you pick the brains of a lot of really interesting and diverse people in the lead up to that period and, and have done subsequently too in, in terms of navigating life after when you find yourself sort of thinking about, you know, those, those bits of advice you continually go back to or that have been particularly pivotal in the decisions you've made, what ones stand out for you in terms of really um, being quite powerful? Oh, putting me on the spot. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, it sounds so, I suppose, corny, but it really is, it is around that, well, what do you want to do and how are you going to make it happen? Do you want it enough? Um, and then I suppose when you are setting yourself those goals and, and choosing those things just really asking yourself being honest do you want to do them enough to make this happen so around those things but then there's a lot of other little things that I suppose people have taught me over the years you know one of them was that remembering to enjoy the moment to let it sink in that that I suppose has been something that is I'm very conscious of in many situations since the voyage too mm. well I imagine too because that would be such an extraordinary achievement if that that became your new benchmark it would be very difficult to 
um, <laughs> you know, find those moments to celebrate. You'd actually have to be really intentionally focused around making sure, um, you know, because if, if sailing around the world is the only way you're going to get your high, we're going to mm. get your, your moment where you pat yourself yeah. on the back. It's going to be a pretty disappointing life after that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it has been, you know, finishing degrees and, and even yeah. my, my new book, my kid's book, um, you know, that may or may not, may, somebody may buy it, somebody may not. Um, I've heard a few people have at least so far. But, you know, it was important to actually stop and go, hey, it's out there, let's celebrate that. Because I'm not very good at that. I'd prefer to get on with it. Um, but, you know, this is an achievement in itself, whether or not anyone likes it. <laughs> and talk just about the kids, but what was the what was the reason for saying yes to that project and, and what message did you want to share with young people? Look, that was something I started a few years ago. It's something I always knew I wanted to do and maybe one of those pivotal things that you hear from so many people and something that has always stuck with me is, you know, if not now, when? And um, for me, it was like, okay, well, I better actually take some of this advice and apply it and, and why not have a go at this book right now? Uh, so I threw myself into that and learned a huge amount um, along the way. It turns out if I knew how hard it was, maybe I wouldn't have uh, yeah, set off on it. But yeah, did and, and persisted along the way and, and certainly sheer persistence that counts for a lot. You know, the willingness to, to take on board feedback from the publisher many, many times and go back and rewrite it. I'm not sure if they even expected me to um, really, but I kept doing it and kept coming back to them with newer drafts. And, you know, ultimately very, very satisfying. I, I suppose that for me is also the things that I find satisfying these days is it has to have been really hard work. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting that sense. It's a very yeah. I need to have been challenged. I yes. love that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the message that kind of runs beneath it of for course, you? Yeah, the book um, about sailing, of course, um, a little girl, a girl, I should say, who moves to a new town and, you know, that situation that's totally unfamiliar for her. Um, it is a bit of a fairy tale. It's, um, yeah, I think people find it a bit surprising in that, but there's absolutely no doubt that this girl is very um, determined and, of course, she's going to save herself. I'm probably sort of slightly spoiling the story by sort of saying that, but... I want it to be just a given that, of course, she saves herself. You know, she's not waiting to be saved. I love that because I think it's so important that we have more of those sorts of narratives in the hands of our young women um, throughout the world, not just this country, um, because that's a whole idea that you can only be what you can see. And you mm. think about the power of the stories we tell ourselves, the stories your mum read to you. You know, yes. you talked about that, how that was all started for you. I don't think we can underestimate the significance of strong female protagonists mm. and stories of adventure and stories of uh, overcoming obstacles and the role that can play in uh, the way that young people out there start thinking about their own goals and aspirations. Yeah, absolutely. I realise now that it had a huge impact on me and, yeah, I, I do just want it to be a fun, enjoyable story, but at the same time there is that to it. I, I want that to be a given that that's what a female protagonist should be. Now, two final questions I want to ask mm. before we wrap up. The first, uh, something I like to ask sort of everyone that we talk to, if you, I guess you're talking to someone who's got a, an enormous goal in mind. It mm. might be an adventure, it might be something they want to start, it might be the way they want to shake up the world. What's your best bit of advice as to the, the first step they can take to make that real? Break it down, work backwards. What are the steps? You know, it's so simple, but what's involved? Um, fi finding out what's involved, obviously. But then, yeah, making that intention clear as well. Um, you know, finding those ways of, of holding yourself accountable. <laughs> um, you know, announcing it, it to family yeah, and friends. Yeah, yeah, it's it's scary and it's daunting, um, but it's powerful as well um, to make it real. Um, but then, really, just importantly, that first step, and then the next step. You know, keeping going, sheer persistence. There's no doubt that that's um. Yeah, of course, a willingness to pivot and learn along the way, but just one foot in front of another is pretty important. <laughs> and 
for those, I guess, who are listening that you want to, I guess, inspire, we, we always like to leave people with a call to action or mm. an encouragement that our, our guests would like to leave them with. What's the, the call to action you'd like to leave our listeners with? Uh, look, really big and corny, um, but you know, have the audacity to believe that you can. It, it is almost an, an arrogance, really, to go, hey, I could be one of those people. Um, you know, I, I don't think that's me, but then again, that's what I did. I, I, I had the arrogance to believe that I could be one of these people in these books, um, and, and why not? You know, why couldn't we all um, be those people? I'm not saying that it's not really hard work and there's all these other really practical things that have to happen, but just to have that belief that you could if you choose to be. I love that. The audacity to believe it can happen. And you're right, why not? And I think, you know, you've talked uh, through the conversation about so many great bits of advice, you know, surround yourself with people who believe in it too or who've done it before that you can draw inspiration from when, you know, it's all mm -hmm. too easy to think it's too hard or too difficult. Prepare and think about how you manage the risk and uh, make it seem more doable by the day, you know, in the way that your head's looking at it, uh, I think. But it starts, as you said, yeah. with that. If you don't have that belief, <laughs> yeah. uh, then you're never going to get out of the starting blocks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Jess, I can't thank you enough for sharing uh, so openly with us today about your own experience and adventure. It's incredible what you've accomplished. And part of what amazes me and excites me is that you're only just getting warmed up. <laughs> you know, I look at you and, yeah. and, and the, the questions you're asking yourself and the way that you're going to challenge yourself. You know, I know that uh, we're, we're going to look back at your life and we're going to go, wow, that was where it started. But look at what happened afterwards. I hope so. That's one day somebody might be asking me about things other than this voyage around the world. Not that that's not lovely to talk about. Anyway. No, well, I think there already are, though. I mean, you yeah. look at the diversity, the fact you've written multiple books, the, the fact that you've um, managed to accomplish two degrees, that you're you know, having the impact that you're having in, in the corporate arena. You've created projects like the Sydney to Hobart, you know, youth um, sale. All those sorts of things are a testament to the fact that you didn't rest on your laurels and choose to make that the one thing that defines you. You've continued to go, that's part of my journey, mm. but it's sure as hell not the only thing. Yes. So thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. I hope you feel inspired and have some practical ideas for how you can go and fuel the difference you want to see in your life, organisation or community. If that's a yes please take a moment to send us feedback, shoot me a tweet at Holly Ransom, leave a review for this coffee pod or head to www.coffeepodswithholly.com and send in your questions and suggestions for future coffee pods. But for now, until our next coffee break, I've been Holly Ransom. Thanks for fueling your difference with me.